Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our show. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. And we're so glad that you chose to join us today. In today's segment of Cryptids in the News and in History, Kevin is going to rattle the dog's cage. No, not your dog, the dog, Dogman. And we'll be discussing some very interesting data regarding the beast. I recommend to you that it is once again adult diaper time. And I hope you heeded my warning and went down to Walmart and bought an extra large box. You're going to need them. And in part two, I will be bringing it on with snakes, alligators, and Bigfoot in what is one of the most hair-raising accounts that you may ever hear. This will be followed by some very interesting listener mail sent in by people such as yourself. You do not want to miss our listener mail segment today. And before I hand the ball off to my brother, I have a bone to pick with a few of you. In our last podcast, I asked you nicely to put the bonbons down and buy a book to show your support for what we are doing. But did you listen to me? No! So now I'm going to ratchet it up a notch and insist that you give up a case of your favorite cheap beer and buy a book instead. Are you listening to me? Now, (laughs) let's put the hammer down and get on with the show. Kevin, are you out there? I'm out there. I'm, I'm not ready to give up my Pabst Blue Ribbon beer, though. <laughs> How about some uh, $3.99 a case Schmitz? <laughs> I don't even know if they still brew that stuff. We'll, we'll have to find out. But I'm, I'm a little nervous about snakes, alligators, and Bigfoot because, uh, you know, I mean, Bigfoot, the big hairy man is certainly uh, pretty scary, but snakes, ooh, I don't like snakes at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're going to find out that Bigfoot has a certain affinity in his diet for, oh. some, cre- for some creatures that you might not think he would. Oh, well, maybe I like Bigfoot a little more. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like a, a, a pest disposal unit. <laughs> Excellent. I might, ha- I might have to get one to hang around in New York. <laughs> Forget about the exterminator. You can invite Bigfoot to your house. Excellent, excellent, excellent. <laughs> so I know you're loaded for bear today, Kev. But before I, we get going, go ahead, yeah. A couple of people out there apparently are a little interested in what exactly is a fang fang. <laughs> so I thought I would clear the air about the mysterious fang fang beast. Fang fang is a hundred and sixty-five pound Neapolitan mastiff. And he lives in an 8 by 10 vinyl shed with an archway cut out for him to get in and out. And I guarantee you, if you think you want to live or be around a Bigfoot, just try stepping into Fang Fang Pen for a minute and trying to grab his bowl. And you may change your mind about facing off with the hairy man. <laughs> 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 Reminds me a little bit of, uh, remember Spot that used to live under the stairs in the Monsters television show? Yeah, well, Fang Fang's like that. When the stairs open, all you see is teeth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, oh, well, uh, we, we better make sure that Fang Fang stays calm during this episode of Cryptids in the News, because I know, uh, you know, there's a history there with Dogman sightings that... Uh, he scares the bejesus out of uh, our furry four-legged friends. Yeah, well, nobody wants to face off with a Bigfoot either, I guarantee you that, or a dogman or a fang-fang. Exactly, exactly. So what do you got, bro? Yeah, so this week we're going to talk about dogman. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think dogman is, is even a, a little creepier than uh, our favorite hairy man, Bigfoot. You know, I think if you ran into Bigfoot... 
you know, in the wild, that would be terrifying. But I think Dogman is even a bit scarier. So, uh, you know, the first sighting of Dogman is said to have occurred back in 1887 in a place called Wexford County, Michigan. Wow. Yeah. And Dogman seems to be a big part of uh, cryptid legends in Michigan. You know, so, you know, if we go back to 1887 and we look at this place called Wexford in Michigan, if you think of Michigan from a geographical standpoint as like a left handed mitten, if you were looking at the map, uh, Wexford County would be near your ring finger in the mitten. So, Yeah, and in this this uh, old sighting, 1887, um, um, Dogman was reported to have been seen by some logging men. And, okay. uh, you know, they're out there in a wooded area in the forest, cutting, up, cutting down and cutting up some trees. And they reported to seeing a large beast that had the body of a man, but the head of the wolf. Wow. Um, and it was walking upright. In their sighting on its hind hind legs. Okay, now look, these are verifiable. Well, not verifiable. We're going by what we're reading or what you've researched. Yeah, what's the, recorded at some point somewhere. Right, these lumbermen, these lumberjacks. Come on, you think they can't identify something like that over a bear or a moose or a deer? Yeah, I think they know the animals they're looking at and know when they see something that's totally strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, in some of the other sightings, just getting more into the typical description of Dogman, they're often described as having more teeth in their mouth than their mouth should be able to hold. So, you know, I think of it a bit like one of those sand tiger sharks that we have uh, living off the coast here in North Carolina. You know, you, you see them swim by and it's just teeth like coming out of their mouth in all directions. Right, right. The jaws can't even contain the amount of teeth that they have. They're coming in and out at all angles and just hanging out. Exactly, exactly. Wow. And that's that's how, uh, you know, in, in all of these different accounts, um, Dogman is often described as, as not only having the, the big snout, but having more teeth than, uh, uh, than it appears could actually fit inside of its mouth. Wow. You know, a very small percentage of the Dogman sightings report that the creature is looking like a Bigfoot, so kind of like a hairy, man-like creature, Um, um, while most of the sightings describe Dogman as having rear legs with a knee that bends toward the rear, like that of a dog or a wolf. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, I have an account of these guys that were hunting in a cornfield, and uh, one guy walking down one corn row and one the other, like next to each other. And one of these things was in front of him. He thought it was some type of nasty looking giant timber wolf until it stood up. Oh, yeah. And then that was the game changer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They often talk about it, too. Like, I don't know in that account, if you recall, but they talk about it as having like amber colored eyes or, you know, glowing yellow eyes. Wow. Yeah, so pretty cool. You don't you don't want to be facing off with one of these creatures anywhere. Uh, they're just nasty business. A lot of people describe it as having like a very lanky superhero type body uh, with this head and jaws from hell, and uh, extremely frightening to encounter one. Yeah, and these reverse bending rear legs, you know, and you'll see in one of the accounts we talk about, you'll often hear folks talk about the. Uh, the uh, extreme leaping ability, you know, which makes kind of sense if it had a, a different, completely different structure to its legs than that of a human. Kind of like the hind, uh, the hind legs on a hare or a rabbit. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Wow, incredible. And then, you know, back to the small percentage of sightings where it's like a Bigfoot with the face of a dog, you know, and I was thinking about it, but maybe this small percentage of the time, we're really just looking at a really homely and ugly Bigfoot. <laughs> huh. Yeah, nothing like a homely and ugly Bigfoot, <laughs> rather Holy than some sm- other different type of creature. I mean, it could be, you know. So, you, but most of the encounters, the vast majority that I've seen, you know, talk about this completely different kind of uh, rear hind leg structure, and of course, like you said, always seen standing up on its hind legs. Yeah, you know, and it's, you talk about a homely, ugly Bigfoot. The thought comes to my mind that most of the sightings are of these what appear to be healthy 
big, burly creatures. Uh, but, you know, at some point, as a living creature, their life has to wane down. Yeah. And eventually they're going to die. Whatever their life expectancy is, we don't know. But at some point, you're going to become an old Bigfoot or an old dog man. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> so, Very true. Very true. So so let's, let's look at uh, some of the witnesses. Talk about some of the witnesses. So one really interesting documentation of Dogman comes from an old home movie from Michigan that shows about 20 seconds of footage of the Dogman running after a person that's shooting the movie. Wow. Um, the footage has become quite famous. You know, maybe you've seen it. I'm sure some of our listeners have seen it. And it's called The Gable Film. Wow, have you seen that one? Okay. No, yeah, I never heard of it, but I'm going to have to look it up. Check it out. It's out on YouTube, and I'll uh, I'll try to put the link uh, to uh, the video under uh, our episode tab in uh, on our website, um, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. So you know, I'll try to put it up there, and you can see it. But when you look at this, you see what appears to be a home movie filmed in the early '70s of folks riding snowmobiles, chopping wood. And then they're riding along in uh, looks like a pickup truck, and they have this encounter. They get out of the vehicle to kind of go and see what it was in the edge of the woods, and then they get attacked by this dogman. It's definitely pretty creepy. Wow. There's yeah. no way I want to be on the receiving end of any type of attack, uh, whether it's dogman, Bigfoot, or uh, somebody's 400-pound wife. Yeah. Now, now here comes the twist in this story, though. Um, several years later, after the video came out and after creeping out a lot of people in Michigan, you know, that ended up, it's reported that there, a lot of them were afraid to go out at night in this part of Michigan because of, you know, this dogman sighting and seeing the video, which you'll see is definitely pretty creepy. Um, it turned out to be a hoax. Wow. And uh, the creator and star of the video, this gentleman by the name of Mike Agrusa, came forward to show folks how he made the video. And it, it's, uh, you know, so it was one big hoax that went on for a few years. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, it shows you like something, like how, how something like that could escalate uh, and bring up a lot of speculation until the fella came clean about it and said, hey, I did it and this is how I did it. Yeah, and it it also shows, though, um, that, you know, when something is a hoax, you know, a complete hoax, at some point, someone is likely going to either intentionally spill the beans like this gentleman did, or somebody else that knows about it or heard about it, maybe out late, out late night drinking, you know, the hoaxer told someone what they did. Uh, someone's going to spill the beans at some point in time, and, you know, hmm. certainly in this case. Yeah, well, somebody that's got the imagination to pull off such a stunt is going to want to brag about it at some point in time to somebody, certainly his closest friends. You know, they'd be having some uh, giggles about it, you know, uh, in the privacy of their home. But like you said, somebody's going to uh, come out and say, you know, well, Kevin told me thus, thus and so. I would cer I would certainly think so. Yep, yep, yep. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. And then, you know, moving on to a different sighting now from the Gable film, different, different entirely. I read about uh, one of the many sightings that you can uh, uh, hear about and read about out there um, where people see Dogman from a moving vehicle. So in this case, this was uh, on Ranker.com, and it was an account that occurred in the fall of 1986, Again, in the state of Michigan, here in uh, the U.S. of A., near a town called Manistee. Hmm. And in this case, a gentleman by the name of Ray Greenway was driving home from the Manistee Army Recruiting Station. It was late at night, and he noticed something in the darkened field beside him. Wow. Yeah. His headlights were reflecting off what appeared to be eyes, but they were much too high off the ground to be a deer. And then suddenly, the unidentifiable creature began running toward him and made an incredible leap clear across the two-lane road. So this gets to that point I was talking about with that extreme leaping ability. Yeah, they're incredible. I, I, 
I, I, if I didn't tell you, I'll tell you now. I have an account of a woman who was riding northbound on a highway. I believe it was in Michigan in the rain, and she was following a dually pickup truck that was kicking up a lot of water. Well, this guy clipped a deer running across the street. She saw it happen and pulled over just to make sure he was okay. Of course, a single woman riding in the rain, she's not going to stick around. The guy looked all right, and she moved on. Well, coming back, she slowed down where she thought the deer had been hit, and she saw something hunched over, what appeared to be hunched over the body. And when she flipped the high beams on, this thing that she described as a dog man turned towards her, extended his arms, and as she was going by, it charged her vehicle and dragged its claws down the side fender. Holy cow. So when she had stopped long after she was clear of that, uh, she saw the fender was scratched. But think of the aggressiveness of something to actually charge a car. Yeah, and that's, you know, something that seems consistent in a lot of these accounts with Dogman. And maybe that leads me to be more creeped out by Dogman than uh, our favorite big hairy man. But, you know, it, almost all the accounts, you know, have Dogman really on, on the aggressive side, you know, and almost like it's hunting the prey and the prey happens to be uh, humans. Yeah, wow. Definitely not something you want to mess around with. No, not at all. You know, so so Ray, you know, from this account, he uh, stated, there's no animal that it could be. I know it wasn't a deer. Um, he went on to describe its yellow eyes and the impossible leaping ability. He said, mm-hmm. I do remember that I saw both eyes as if it was looking at me the whole time. That along with the leaping ability is what I will never forget. So, woo, you know. Wow. Can you imagine this giant dog man kind of hunting him down, even though he's in a vehicle, you know, staring at him and then leaping over the vehicle? Yeah, they seem to be fearless. I mean, it's different than a deer. You know, a deer will just jump across the street. It's almost like they're oblivious or they're just plain stupid. And uh, but this thing is like looking at you know how a deer looks straight ahead and just jumps in front of a moving car yeah yeah yeah. this thing's looking at the man as it's jumping in front of him yeah it's like tracking him as he's going along yeah and and the woman uh who i was just talking about this thing turns to address the headlights being put on it like it's ticked off and then charges the vehicle that's moving towards it yeah well yeah totally Totally creepy. And then could you imagine, you know, looking at this thing seven feet tall with, you know, this slender athletic build covered in fur and then this huge snout and big like wolf ears with uh, more teeth than should fit in its mouth. Like, oh, forget it. And glowing yellow eyes. Oh. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dog man may be worse than uh, big snakes to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely worse than big snakes. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. And then uh, this final account today that I'm going to talk about is a little bit longer, a little bit more detailed. And, um, you know, I first saw this account uh, from our friends at MysteriousUniverse.org. And it appears to, uh, to have originated from a frequent blogger on Dogman Phenomenon named Jan Thompson. And it allegedly occurred to her uh, and a relative, her cousin named Joe, in 1978. Wow. So apparently, yeah, Joe loved riding dirt bikes, which um, you and I can relate to, having torn up uh, forests on different dirt bikes in our youth. Yep. <laughs> and uh, J- Joe would uh, be on his dirt bike and be out tearing out, tearing about over the forest trails in a place called Land Between the Lakes, which it turns out is located in rural Kentucky and Tennessee. So it's like a, a national refuge here in the U.S. that spans uh, part of Kentucky and part of Tennessee. And the two lakes that it's tucked between are Lake Barkley and Kentucky Lake. Um, And it looks pretty interesting on the map. I've never been there. And when you look it up on the map, it's northwest of Nashville, Tennessee. And if you followed the flight of the crow northwest of Tennessee, the next big city, which would be be, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And that's near one of the sightings of uh, our beloved Momo, or the Missouri Monster, that we spoke about last week. So same general part of the country as uh, the Momo sightings. Yeah, and you know, uh, for people who, uh, in that similar region, southern Illinois 
is completely different than northern Illinois. When you get down south, there's a lot of low-lying marshland. Uh, it, it's a different area of the state. And some of these regions, you're really getting into areas where people are not going to habitate it. And it's probably not that comfortable to hike around and walk around and, you know. Uh, so what better place for something like these things to live? Exactly. Exactly. So wow. Jan writes on the account that uh, on this day, her cousin was out riding in the woods as Jan and her other cousin sat outside their house. And at some point, they claimed that they could hear Joe's dirt bike suddenly issue a frantic whine as it rapidly picked up speed and began racing in their direction. And, it's, and it soon came bursting from the trees to make a frantic beeline towards the house, finally skidding wildly to a halt, after which the visibly shaken Joe began gazing back towards the tree line that he exited, um, and Jan would explain what happened next as follows. Hmm. We followed his gaze, not understanding what this escapade was all about. In silence, we watched with him for about 30 seconds, and then the dog started barking, growling, and then whining, trying to get out of the pen in a frantic panic of digging and gnawing at the fencing. And Joe wow. said, yeah, it's crazy. And Joe said, it grabbed me. Look at my legs, Joe screamed, making us jump with alarm at the sound of his voice. We looked down at his Levi's and saw scratch marks going across his right thigh, scratches that tore through the tough denim and left small bloody marks on his skin. The marks were like a bear's claw rake, not those caused by branches or sticky bushes, but a definite wide pattern of a paw print. Joe said it walked on two legs. His voice startled us again as he was trying to tell his story in between huge gulps of air. Holy he was cow. Yeah, crazy. He was frightened beyond belief, and the bits and pieces of what he was striving with extreme effort to tell us was coming out in loud syllables that filled us both with the same dread. Oh it was following God. me through the woods, along the path, from the old saw sawmill. Hairy. It was so hairy. And its snout was so long, and it walked on two legs. It ran on two legs. His voice was sputtering, slowing. His eyes were still wide, and I could see the pulse of his heartbeat throbbing under the skin of his temples. Holy cow. Exactly. So, and then, you know, this, this uh, very dramatic, right, and, and detailed report goes on to say uh, that the air was then pierced by what sounded like the howl of a wolf, only with a nightmarish intensity that invoked a profoundly deep sense of heavy dread. Wow. And there's a couple of, you know, if you search on the Internet, there's a couple of recordings, you know, alleged recordings of these howls that folks uh, often hear in, uh, you know, in, in these parts of the country. So and it doesn't sound like a wolf. It sounds uh, a lot creepier than a wolf. Well, first of all, just the body size, whether oh, you're talking yeah. about a dogman or a Bigfoot, if a smaller creature uh, can develop a bellowing howl in the woods that gets your attention, how about something that's four or five or six times as big as that with the lung capacity and everything else to go with it making a howl? Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Um, so, you know, he talks about the fact that, uh, you know, the snout was long and uh, and he ended up saying actually that it was much different in appearance than a Bigfoot. Right. Because it that doesn't really sound like a Bigfoot if you if you saw it. Yeah. No, completely different uh, beast. Yeah. And then so uh, they're there and uh, they go into the house because after they hear this howl. And uh, the security light on the driveway turns on and the startled creature was illuminated in the darkness. So it came out of the woods to track them into the house. They went into the house and when the security light, light came on, uh, you know, the, the creature kind of uh, melted away into, uh, into the background. So, yeah, well, just... It's just incredible. I mean, this thing has no fear of, and you know, a dirt bike. I remember the expansion chamber on one of my bikes. I mean, that thing would rattle your teeth when you throttled it up. Oh, yeah, especially the two-cycle ones where you'd, uh, 
you know, wind them up into the RPMs of the power band, you know, and sure. I mean, you could hear it from a mile a, away. Yeah, it's nothing more than a glorified chainsaw engine at that point, and this thing is running after him. Exactly. You know, and attacks wow. him while he's riding in the woods, and then follows him out of the forest, you know, to the house. So clearly a feeling that you're, you know, this thing is, a, a, you know, a, a top of the apex predator uh, hunting, hunting humans in this case. Wow, that's phenomenal. Yeah, so that's well, uh, you know you could see why you know Dogman creeps me out entirely. I mean, it's it, these these are these accounts are uh, terrifying. Yeah, the aggression level of this thing uh, is just off the charts. I mean, it just comes in pissed off. It <laughs> doesn't have to escalate. It's already po'd. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not not relaxed. You know, it doesn't have a relaxed state like Fang Fang does when it's. Hanging out actually inside <laughs> inside of the shed after a big meal. Yeah, well, uh, Dogman is definitely definitely not going to coddle up to you and uh, share a <laughs> schlitz with you on a log. <laughs> He's going to take your six pack of schlitz and you with it, pal. <laughs> yeah, so we had we had a lot going on there this week in uh, cryptids in the news with uh, Dogman. It's pretty pretty interesting, and you know maybe in one of the future episodes there's some interesting uh, legends too that come out of uh, the Native American uh, folks uh, related to what they call the Cheyenne Dogman. So you know maybe we'll talk about that at some point in the future. But you know it's more of like a a spiritual, more of like a shape shifting creature uh, that comes out of uh, a slaughter of uh, Native Americans by the U.S. Army, you know, back in the 1800s. Yeah, that's really good stuff, Kev. And that's why uh, I said in our last episode, I think we're going to call it cryptids in the news and in history and other oddities. Yeah. Because there's certainly a lot of cool stuff to dig up out there that I'm sure, well, I know I'm interested in it and I'm sure our listeners are as well. Oh, it's, it's very interesting stuff. Wow. All right. So let me break into the snakes and alligators and Bigfoot. Oh, all right. Put you. Everybody got your diapers on. All right. Here we go. This bizarre tale was told to me by George Marcroft, a resident of here, Long Island. And here is what George had to say. In 1986, I was the lead mechanic on a pro drag race team. We toured the country, hitting every major event we could during the racing season. The car's owner was a wealthy dude who paid us well, and I was quite happy with the team overall at the time. One night during a meet in Florida, while having a couple of brews with some of the other racing teams, I made the acquaintance of a cat from Louisiana by the name of Lucas T. Rawlings. It was he, by the way, who specified the letter T in his name. Aside from the fact that he was missing 50% of his teeth and was proud of it, he was a crack mechanic, and we hit it off right from the get-go. After we had consumed several beverages, he started to tell me about what he did in the off-season for kicks and for cash. Amongst other things, he said that he collected venomous snakes for laboratories who extracted the venom in order order to make anti-venom. This anti-venom was used in helping those who may have been bitten themselves by one of the nasty little suckers. But the craziest thing about it was this. He said that he catches them by hand. Now, when he said this, I thought that his brain had turned to powder after three beers. But he was dead serious. He added, if you're ever in my neighborhood, look me up and I'll show you a good time. Well, that was one of the most craziest things that I ever heard in my entire life. It was a couple of years later that, for whatever reason, I had been thinking about Lucas T. and his invite. I decided to give him a ring. As soon as he picked up the phone and I said hello, he knew immediately who it was. The very first thing he said to me was, so when are you planning to be here? Six weeks later, after all the arrangements had been made, I was at his house. That very night, Lucas took me out into the bayou in his 20-foot aluminum boat. We were hunting for snakes with spotlights on the side of the riverbank. Immediately, I was questioning my own sanity and his. 
If he had been bit out here and died, I had no idea where he had taken us or how to get back for that matter. We were out in the middle of a swamp in the dark, and I had no idea how we got to where we were. That night, he caught six snakes, and he told me he had orders for 20 more, to which he added, tomorrow's another day. This dude was being paid a ridiculous amount of money for these snakes, and catching them by hand, he did. Now, whether he was telling the truth or not is anyone's guess, but he told me that he had been bit a couple of times and that it didn't kill him. He even said that one time he had actually driven himself to the hospital with the boat on the trailer because he wasn't feeling that well after having been bitten. The next night, we went out again. This time, I was paying close attention to exactly where and when he had turned, along with everything else he was doing while driving the boat into the bayou. I felt better after having done so, and I honestly believed that I could get us back out if something had happened to him. When we got into what I will call the tributaries, he will kill the gas motor and turn on an electric. This allowed him to quietly creep up on the snakes and grab them before they had a chance to take off. He was grabbing some of them right out of the water as they swam. When he felt he was in an area where the snake be, uh, where a snake may be, he turned the floodlight on. In between, he left the light off. The boat under electric power was silent. We were too, when suddenly the silence was broken by the sound of a large splash, followed by the sounds of something thrashing about in the water just around the bend ahead of us. Our eyes were now fixed in the darkness ahead of the boat. As we rounded the next bend, Lucas flipped the light on, which was a million candle power spotlight. And what we saw was remarkable. Standing in the shallows, holding a six-foot-long alligator, was a ten-foot-tall Bigfoot. It looked right at us and grimaced. Taking one stride with the gator in hand, it stepped out of the river and was gone. As it exited going into the woods, we could hear virtually nothing. For all we knew, it was standing on a bank, but we weren't going to look. When we saw it, the gator was already limp in its hands, so who knows how he had killed it so quickly. The Bigfoot was only 20 yards away, and he was lit up like a Christmas tree by the light when Lucas turned it on. It was easily wider at the shoulders than the boat we were in, which had a beam of some six feet. Its face was gray and wrinkled, and the skin on both its hands and chest was visible through the hair. It had to have been easily 800 to 1,000 pounds, which may very well be a low estimate. Whatever its weight was, it was huge and frightening. All that I could think about now was this thing leaping out of the trees and landing in our boat in the darkness to kill us. Thankfully, Lucas was as freaked out as I was and started the motor to leave immediately. He told me that he had heard tales of them, but in all the time he had spent in a swamp, he had never seen one for himself. Three days later, I was gone, and I will never forget my time with Lucas, the snake collector, in the bayous of Louisiana. Whoa. What do you think of that? All right, that's, uh, that's pretty terrifying. I mean, just the snake part, without even running into uh, a 10-foot-tall hairy man that just broke an alligator in half. I mean, what's worse than hunting snakes? Well, how about hunting snakes at night? Okay, that's bad. How about hunting, <laughs> you know, how about hunting snakes at night in a boat and then grabbing them out of the hand get, grabbing them out of the water with your hand? Like, oh, you know. Yeah. Obviously, Lucas wasn't playing with a full deck. No, no. But, I, you know, I, I have heard where, you know, these folks that snake handlers and stuff like that, snake charmers, that they do develop a bit of an immunity to the bites, you know. So it's kind of like, I guess, if you can survive a couple of bites. Now, this is not medical advice, by the way. You know, this is just I've, I've heard it. I'm not going to kids. I'm, I'm going to give snakes an even wider berth if I ever have the misfortune of being bitten by one. So, but that's, yeah, well, you, that's you creepy. Don't, the problem is you don't know if you're developing the immunity until after the first bite. And it could be all over at that point in time. Oh, yeah. Just horrible, too, you know. Now, here's something really interesting. 
uh, I had been talking to a uh, Bigfoot podcaster, uh, my buddy Wes, way back in, I think it was October. Uh, we were on the phone for a few minutes, and he said to me, Hey, Bill, did you listen to the account of the one-eyed Sasquatch? So, now I hadn't listened to it, and he said that some dude had shown a flashlight after hearing some noise or something, and the flashlight hit the face of a Bigfoot in Florida that appeared that one of its eyes had been ripped out and the side of its face was mangled. Whoa. Now, dig this. This is what I'm thinking about. You tell me what you think. Immediately, I made the connection with this account in Louisiana and the one-eyed Bigfoot in Florida. And I said to him, what if these states having in common, both having alligators, what if the Bigfoots are doing the same type of hunting for gators? And what if this Bigfoot in Florida had grabbed a gator and it turned sideways suddenly and snapped him in the face, taking his eye with it? Certainly, certainly could happen. So you were, you were talking about the sand tiger shark before. And one of the biggest mistakes uh, inexperienced fishermen can make when handling a shark is trying to hold a small one by the tail for a photograph. Oh, yeah. Or, or getting near them on the beach because they can thrash sideways so quickly and lay their teeth into you that, frankly, you won't know what hit you. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. We see uh, we see the rookies out at the coast here in North Carolina often, you know, where they they uh, want to pick it up by the tail and get get it get their picture taken with it, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's 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 danger all the way. So that was my opinion. Uh, hearing this story uh, about Lucas, I said to myself, maybe this Bigfoot. First of all, he's attacking something in the dark in the shallows. He doesn't have a million candle spotlight. Right. He could be grabbing it too far along the back before he makes a grab for the head to control it. And what if that thing just wailed around and nailed him in the leg or, or in the gut or in the face? You know, I, yeah, I mean, that seems perfectly reasonable because in that murky water of, you know, a swamp like we've all seen, and then in the middle of the night, I don't even know how you could tell there was an alligator there, you know. Yeah, well— Obviously, they have skills and abilities that we don't understand as human beings. Yeah, and I'm sure they have uh, keen vision to be able to spot prey in the night where, uh, you know, during the night when they're often hunting, I would guess. Yeah, that just it makes you wonder, you know, it just adds to the mystery of the beast. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, just incredible. Yeah, that's that's a creepy story. It's a good one. Absolutely creepy. <laughs> so what do you what do you got for us today? What are our listeners saying to us, Kevin? Oh, yeah, we got some good ones this week. Um, so the first one is from Leslie in Great Britain. Wow. And she says, I assume affectionately, she says, you Yanks are having all the fun. I love this new <laughs> podcast, and the subject matter is sublime. Oh. Uh, yeah, and she says, where are most Bigfoot seen? Keep it up. Wow. Where are most Bigfoot seen? Well, I mean, uh, in our country, the most concentrated uh, area of Bigfoot sightings is definitely in the Pacific Northwest, Uh, Northern California, Washington, British Columbia, Oregon, Oregon right? Yeah. Right, Kev, wouldn't you agree with yeah, me? Yeah, Oregon as well. Just that whole uh, whole northwestern quadrant of the U.S. going up into uh, British Columbia and Canada. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, uh, another area that's rife with sightings uh, is that area of uh, Michigan, Illinois, southern Maine. There's quite a few things going on over there that... Uh, uh, everybody can't be losing their mind over there. They're, they're seeing something. Right, right, right. That's another one, Bill, we should put up on the website is uh, that map, um, you know, that illustrates uh, where uh, most of the sightings are reported so that folks can uh, come in and look at that. Remind me of that. I'll put it up on the website. Yeah, and don't forget, folks, our, uh, our website is Bigfoot. TerrorInTheWoods.com. It's like one long run-on word. BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. And you can go there in the store as well, uh, which will link you to Amazon to go buy a book or an e-book. 
as well as grabbing hold of our contact link there, like these folks did. And let us know what you think. Let us know what you're seeing. And certainly if you've seen something, say something. We want to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep the, keep the feedback coming. Uh, so the next email comes from Blake in Ontario, Canada. Uh, he says, I am, as you say, a woodsman. I've personally heard the house and seen tree structures while on the hunt here in Canada. Twice I had a chill run down my spine that shook me to the core, and I knew I was being watched. These creatures have abilities that we cannot understand or comprehend. Keep up the great work. I really am enjoying uh, what you are putting out. Exclamation point. Wow, that's great stuff. What was that guy's name? Blake from Ontario, Canada. Eh? Yeah, (laughs) eh, mate? So, Blake... Uh, you're in the teeth of it up there, and uh, these creatures are all over the place up there in the woods, and you know as well as I do uh, that the North Country up in Canada is just no man's land. I mean, I've had so many accounts come in from up there, and uh, you're just the icing on the cake, uh, having seen tree structures and heard the howls. I wonder how many other people out there have heard or seen exactly what Blake has and just have never said anything or never come forward. Yeah, I mean, certainly we, we talk about that. What would you do if you saw one, you know, and and uh, would you come forward? Who would you share the news with? And But up in Canada, too, such a rural place where... Uh, uh, you know, the possibilities are endless for undiscovered species and creatures up in the northern woods. Yeah, I, you know, I like to check out some of these hunting shows on TV, which is one of the great benefits of all the different cameras we have today and uh, uh, all of the uh, ability that people have to film and record things. I mean, I was watching these guys one day. They were out with a guide hunting moose on one of these lakes in Canada. And you know how big a moose is? Huge animal. The, the, the moose would just, like, appear out of the brush on the far side of a lake. And they were scoping it in to shoot. And before they could get the gun on a good shot uh, or the sight on a good shot, the moose just turned and stepped into the woods. It was like a magician going behind a curtain. It literally just disappeared in, like, two steps and it was gone. So, again, the idea of just running upon a Bigfoot that could easily just step into this dense uh, wilderness just as easy as this moose could uh, is kind of ridiculous. Uh, you're talking forests that you can't even walk through. Uh, something could be 10, 15 feet away from you, and you're not going to know it till you part the branches and it's looking you in the face. Yeah, yeah, this- Scary stuff, scary stuff. Fantastic. All right, we're going to jump out to the west coast of the United States to one of my favorite little beach towns. Uh, This comes in from Tanya in Laguna Beach, California. Did she say she saw a Bigfoot in Laguna? (laughs) Well, I'll go on and say I've seen a lot of weird stuff in Laguna Beach, but I've never seen a Bigfoot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I saw the Bigfoot doing the breaststroke in the pool at my hotel. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Tanya says, where has this show been my my whole life? Uh, It's an absolute gas, and I wish you much success. And uh, she goes on and says, uh, in which states are the most sightings of Bigfoot, if you know? So first off, thanks for the kind words, Tanya. Um, We have a guest uh, putting the show on as well. Wow, that's fantastic. And really, it just basically is a duplicate of what we just said. Exactly, exactly. The most states uh, or the most sightings in what states... uh, there's so many of them. It's really not just an individualized thing. We, we were just talking about Washington, uh, California, Oregon. Uh, but the list goes on and on with the Michigan, the Illinois, the Maine. Yeah, even Pennsylvania, uh, right? We, we yeah. had an account that you went through a few weeks back. And, uh, and I remember Pennsylvania lighting up quite a bit on the sightings map. Yeah, now Pennsylvania, there's so many. Arkansas. 
areas of the Carolinas. I mean, we could just go on and on and on. There's quite a few sightings in a number of different states. All right, cool stuff. All right, now we're going to go out to the other side of the world. Uh, from when, W-E-N, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, in Sri Lanka. So right off of India out there in Sri Lanka. Uh, wow. In my worst nightmare, I would not want to see one of these monsters. How long has this been going on and where do they come from? And uh, it says, I love you guys and are either of you single? So I hope when <laughs> I, I hope when is a female name. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, when I have to tell you, I am not single. No, me neither. Me neither. All right. So there you go. But uh, thanks for your interest anyway. <laughs> uh, now I completely blew my mind as to what she asked. Yes. She said, where did they come from? She said, uh, how long has this been going on and where did they come from? Well, look, when if men are from Venus and women are from Mars, <laughs> uh, Bigfoot's from Saturn. <laughs> I have no idea where Bigfoot comes from. Uh, I believe they are a created creature, and I've said this before. I think there's two things going on here. There's a, uh, a, a demonic mimicking of the flesh and blood Bigfoot creature, uh, and there is an actual creature that was part of the creation. Uh, as far as where do they come from, and what'd she say? Where do they live? Uh, now you're losing me. So, uh, how how long have they been around? Oh wow. Well, you know, we we have some accounts. When I say we, I'm talking about myself. Uh, going back into the 1800s. Uh, but you know, who's to say how long these uh, these creatures have been around? If they were in the 1800s, they were in the 17s, the 16s, the 15s. And, and, and who knows? I mean, they didn't just morph into a creature at some point in time. Uh, in my opinion, uh, these Bigfoot creatures have been around for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, we, we, we talked about the Bauman account back in the 1800s, you know, with Teddy Roosevelt in one of our previous uh, episodes. And then uh, I don't think we've talked about it yet on the podcast, um, but the fact that there's these images of the hairy man that appear in these ancient totems here of the Native Americans in, uh, in North America. Yeah, and there's also been uh, cave drawings or drawings on the sides of uh, rock walls that definitely depict something really weird looking, very big, big broad head. Long arms, you know, it's not the person in the drawing, it's not the cat, it's not the antelope. This thing is something really big and Bigfoot looking to me, there's no doubt about it. All right, Just and our last uh, email comes in from Trevor in Dallas, Texas, here in the U.S. of A., um, Trevor says, uh, I just bought two of your books and can't wait to read them. So I, apparently he did uh, stop. Uh, he did put down the box of bonbons and go and buy a couple of books. So uh, there's hope. Bill. Um, yeah, there is hope. <laughs> and then he says, uh, when will audio uh, be in your bag of tricks? I guess he means audio books. Um, and he says, many people down here know of the Bigfoot sightings in the big thicket part of Texas, as you had mentioned in a previous podcast. They have been going on here for a hundred years. When will the people learn that these things are real? Wow. Yeah. Well, good for you, my friend. And uh, f first of all, this big thicket, which we spoke about, so many people talk about uh, having sightings and encounters over there. Uh, and here's just a confirmation from this guy who heard the podcast and said that these things have been going on here for 100 years. And I don't know how old he is. They've probably been going on there for hundreds of years before this 100 years. Uh, the other thing is that uh, uh, he asked about the audio book. Now, it just so happens that I just finished recording and downloading my cover art and audio for volume number six, which is going to be the first book available on audio. 
uh, and I was told by ACX, which is a branch of Amazon, that it would be 10 to 14 days for them to get back to me. And of course, I'm hoping there's no issues with it. Uh, that's going to be book number one, and I'm going to announce it here. And then, of course, I'm already working on volume five and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to keep going till they're all done. Uh, but thanks a lot for chiming in, and thank you for buying a couple of books. So you can buy a case of your cheap beer this week because you put the bonbons down last week, my friend. <laughs> all right, Trevor. <laughs> wow, fantastic, Kev. What do you got to say about that? Uh, you know, it's... it's um Texas, another big, vast state uh, with a lot of it being uh, unsettled and untread upon by humans. So not surprised, uh, you know, and we always we've heard a lot about these sightings in the big thicket of Texas. And although I've been to Texas a bunch of times, I'm going to have to make a detour to get over to the big thicket because I haven't been over there. Yeah, well, you know, and just a side note. There are 9.5 million square miles of real estate in North America, just North America. If anybody out there thinks that there can't be something creeping around or hiding out there in numbers, in my opinion, you are out of your mind, <laughs> out of your mind, 9.5 million square miles think about it big place big place not that many people so uh good good stuff this week bill good uh good dog man uh good account of the uh gator eating hairy man and uh some great viewer mail as well fantastic man keep it coming people <laughs> and we love to have you tell your friends tell your neighbors tell your enemies to tune us in yeah, and, and if you like what you're hearing, uh, please leave a review for us on your uh, favorite podcast mechanism um, and give us some feedback for, on the website, too. We have the Contact Us form on our website, and uh, we love hearing from you. And thank you for putting your time into listening to our podcast. Awesome. And once again, until we meet again, always carry more gun that you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight.